Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. We've been talking about our church vision. We've talked about knowing Jesus. That's the ultimate goal of the gospel, to know him and to make him known. We talked about experiencing grace. When you receive the grace of God, it it will literally change your life. Today, I'm going to be talking about building relationships. Relationships are so key to where you're going and what you do in life. You know, my grandmother told me when I was just a little bitty child, she told me, birds of a feather flock together. And then a preacher told me a few years later, flocks fly the same place. You know, there are some flocks you fly with, you're not going to get what you want. Praise God. And so you want to hang around the right people. It's very important, the relationships that you have. And there's all kinds of different relationships. I'm going to talk about a few of them today. You know, my son Peter went to Princeton University. He graduated with honors. He's, you know, you know, one of the major leaders in a major world corporation today. But he said the number one thing that he learned at Princeton over everything else is the power of networking. Who you connect. He said more than anything else, it's not what you know, it's who you know, and it's the power of networking. You know, I've preached. I counted up today if I got all the places right. I've preached in 12 countries. I've preached in 22 states. And you know, every place that I've preached the gospel has been through a relationship. You know, relationships are just vital. We need other people in our life. You know, in the last year, I've lost two of my mentors. And I have mentors, you know, in the financial arena. I have mentors in the spiritual arena, in the ministry area. And I lost two of my mentors, you know, really, uh, one of them from this church, Ed Meyer, a great man of God. I loved him so much. We actually started an Ed Meyer Memorial Fund. We're getting ready to develop a children's curriculum. We're going to develop for children, for, for junior high, for youth, for all different ages. I was up this morning from 1.30 to 4 a.m. I wrote down 12 curriculums. I wrote notes for 12, you know, outlines for 12 weeks each of 12 curriculums. So I wrote notes for 144 messages, amen, this morning. Praise God, from 1.30 to 4 a.m. I am so excited about it. It has been so long since we've been able to get a full gospel curriculum. And I'm excited about the different things that we're doing. Praise God. You know, I I thank God for what we're doing as a church, you know, through relationships. We have relationships with people. And last year, we paid to build two churches in India. They're they're full gospel churches. They're the only churches in their community. This year, I believe that we're going to build five of them. And we're going to partner with these, you know, congregations in India to build churches in India. We're doing things all around the world. There's, we can do a lot more together than we can do alone. And, and, and you, know, uh, you know, it's been said, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go in a group. You need people in your life. You need friends. I just preached a funeral this week for one of my best friends from Kit Carson. He mentored me financially, and and I shared this scripture. He was a friend of many, many people. He invested his life in many, many people. But the Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. It says, a man to have friends must show himself friendly. You know, we have people that come to church and they say, well, I just don't have anybody. 
You're not trying to, you, you come late, you leave early, that's okay, I don't care. I mean, I'm glad you're here, I'm glad you came, but if you wanna be a, if you wanna have friends, you gotta be friendly. Stick out your hand and shake somebody's hand and smile at them. You know, I was in Dr. Lester Sumrall's church for one year, and in one year, I knew over 100 people. I went back and visited after I graduated from Bible school for six years in a row, and I knew over 100 people. They didn't have small groups, really, like, you know, some churches have and different things, but I knew people. You know why? Because I served in that church. I served in that ministry, and for years, even after Dr. Sumrall, you know, passed on, I would go back into the community, and I, you know, to, and I would minister for Steve Sumrall, be on the television for Peter and different things, and I knew people around there. Praise God, relationships are key. And I didn't get to know people by just going and hiding in a hole. Now, God opened the doors, and I believe that God will give you relationships. You know, my dad told me when I was a young child, he said, if you're fortunate, you'll have three good friends in life. And I've had many more than three. I've had a number of really, really good friends and mentors, not only financially, not only in business, Dr. Shirley's a good friend of me, but I, re I remember him telling me, you know, years and years ago when I was still at Kit Carson, you're really smart. And I said, no, I'm really not that smart. I just surround myself with smart people. You know, when I went to high school, I, my, my best friend in high school was the county commissioner's son. He was a Republican, thank God. And, uh, you know, his dad, you know, then Ronald Reagan got elected. He said, Ronald Reagan's not that smart, but Ronald Reagan surrounds himself with smart people. Well, the smarter people you surround yourself with, the smarter you become. So if you're going to be friends, you, you've got to be friendly. You can't just go hide in a hole. And I love you if you do. You can't just come late and leave early and say, well, nobody there loves me. Well, I had one person say, there's no community there. And we walked out in the entryway, and there was at least 20 groups of people from three to five people standing in groups before service. We baptized like 30 people that night from five years old to 80 years old. I had other people saying, man, it's amazing. You have so many people, so many cultures, so many different people. It's your perspective. But if you want to have friends, you've got to be friendly. And there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And you know who that is? Jesus. We need friends in our life. Praise God. And we sure need Jesus. He's the greatest friend. He says, greater love has no man than this. Then he lays down his life for his friends. So I'm going to talk about a few keys in building relationships. The number one key that I want to talk about is the people that you connect with will either help you or they will hinder you. See, not every friendship's a good friendship. Not every relationship is a good relationship. Not everybody can be your best friend, but they will help you or hinder you. Now, I often have people in business because the Lord has blessed me and he's helped me in business a lot. He's blessed me tremendously. My life's amazing. I, I really can't even explain it. And there's no way really that you can explain, you know, what's happened in our life financially, except it's the blessing of God. You know, the Bible says the blessing the Lord makes rich. But I'll tell you something, people often come to me and they'll ask me, how can I make it in this business? And they'll tell me about a fish business. I don't know nothing about a fish business. Or they'll tell me about some marketing business. I don't know anything about that. But I tell them this. The Bible says this, he that walks with wise men will be wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. So I say, go out and find three people 
that have been very successful in the business that you want to be in, that are older, right? That, that they didn't inherit it. Somebody else didn't give it to them. Find three people that they, God gave them revelation and they built their business, right? And then learn from them. Same thing in the ministry. Praise God, you need mentors in the ministry. I thank God for Lester Sumroff. I thank God for my pastor, Pastor Kenny Davis in Lamar, Colorado, where I went to church for seven years after Andrew Womack left Lamar. Pastor Kenny taught me good doctrine. I thank God for Pastor Kenny Davis. He sowed his life into my life. I thank God for Lester Sumrall, who gave me a love for souls. He was really an evangelist at heart. You know what? I, I thank God for his vision for the local church. Even though he was an evangelist, Lester Sumrall had a vision for the local church. He said, everybody who wants to change the world should have a church. Praise God, I love Lester Sumrall. He, he, he spent the last part of his life traveling around and speaking to young ministers in churches. And many times he would go to, you know, the leading churches in the nation, and he would come back and preach at South Bend and say, listen, they said this makes this man great. But I looked at his, his dad was a military man, and he was very structured in his life. And he studied to be an architect, and, and he learned all these things, and that's what's made him a success. Right? But we would learn different things about different people. And I love Lester Sumrall and his vision for, number one, winning souls. Lester, if there were people that needed saving... Man, he would get him saved. I remember going to Christmas programs there, and the church was about 3,000. And, and, you know, they'd do a little program, and maybe five or 600 people show up. And Dr. Sumrall give an altar call, and 12 people get saved. I mean, the program wasn't anything like our Christmas programs here, but he had an amazing anointing as an evangelist. Praise God. I thank God for Andrew Womack. Andrew Womack really, you know, taught me, and, you know, the, the power of the Word of God and, 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 and you know, a lot of revela the revelation of grace and the Holy Spirit and who we are in Christ and all those things. And Andrew continues to mentor me, and I thank God for that relationship. He that walks with wise men will be wise. Now, Lester Sumrall said this. He said, we have three periods of life. We have 30 years to learn. Aaron was in college till he was almost 30 years old. Maybe he was a little older than 30 getting his doctorate degree. We have 30 years to learn. He said, after that, we have 30 years to use what we've learned. And then he said, after that, we have time to give away what we've learned. And he said, hope to God, by the time you're 60, somebody wants to listen to what you have to say. Hallelujah. And it's so true, but you know what? If you, if you want to make it in business, if you want to make it in ministry, if you want to make it in marriage... Listen to somebody that's done it, you know? Sometimes people have a lot of advice that doesn't really work very well in real life. Barbara teaches a lot on the home and a lot on marriage, and she likes to go around and talk to people that have been married 40 or 50 years and say, how did you make it this long? Praise God, or 60 years. She'll talk to people anywhere in the airport. She talks to people of all kinds of places. But, you know, listen to people who've done something with their life, who've applied it, you know, uh, you know, and how it's worked. Praise God. Aaron told a joke one time at a wedding. I, I was actually shocked when he told this joke, but it was so funny. And somebody asked this guy, had been married a long, long time, and, uh, you know, how, how, how he had stayed married so long. And he said, well, we went on a horseback ride for our honeymoon, and, and, and so the horse uh, said something, you know, did something, and she said, that's one, and then he bucked again, and she said, that's two, and then he bucked again, and she got off and shot him in the head. 
So if I ever get out of order, she says, that's one. And he said, man, you don't want three to come. So uh, I learned how to, Aaron told this at a wedding. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, sometimes you need some of the fear of God in your life. Amen. the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. You know, you need to respect your relationship with Jesus. But, but anyway, you know, you need some people to sow some sense in your life that have done some things. Whether it's in the ministry or in business or in marriage or in relationships in all these. He that walks with wise men will be wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. Do you want to go broke? Just go find somebody who's went broke, right? And do what they do. I used to have this friend, and I hate to quote this from the pulpit, but it's so true. He's the one I, I did his funeral. I didn't say it at the funeral, but he said it to me a thousand times if he said it once. You know poor people have poor ways. And I'm always amazed when you're counseling people financially how they really don't want to listen to what you have to say. They want to do what they want to do, and they wonder why they're always broke. You know, but if you want to go somewhere, listen to somebody that's got a little brains. Praise God. He also told me this. He said, I, I remember one day I'd been, I'd been to the sale, and I'd bought a bunch of cattle, and I came home and it rained. I had a two-wheel drive, you know, Ford diesel pickup. I was pulling a 26-foot trailer with about 14,000 pounds of cattle. And I came around the corner of the feedlot, and I slipped a little bit, and it slid over and hit the corner of the feedlot, broke the gate post, and I got stuck out where I couldn't back the trailer up. So then I had to go get the loader, and I brought the loader around and tied the pickup and dragged it forward with all the cattle, and then tied on the back of the trailer and dragged it back up in the alley. And you know, I mean, to fix that gate post, it was going to cost, you know, take me, you know, three or four hours to dig a, you know, take the old one out and drill holes in the new one, set a new tie and hang the gate on it and do all this. But, but my friend said, well, Lawson, did it cost you any money? I said, well, no, I, I got all this stuff. He said, well, that's good. He said, I, I want you to see how long you can go and not spend any money. He, he said, see how long you can go and not spend 10 cents in a day. I mean, see how many days you can go and not spend 10 cents. Now, he had an eighth grade education, but when he passed away, if I'm correct, his net worth was around $10 million. He told me he's having a hard time keeping it under 10 million. I said, keep giving it away. And you know, he didn't really give me a lot of money, but he gave me a lot of wisdom. You need to listen to wise people. Do you know wisdom is more precious than money? Wisdom is more precious than silver and gold. It's more precious than ruby. Praise God. So I listened to what he had to say. And, and, and you know, I, I have that come up in my mind. I remember a number of years ago, I had a couple come in my office, and they were $60,000 in the hole. And they didn't have anything to show for it. And they said, we're going to listen to you. So they did for a while. And in four years, we turned them around from $60,000 in the hole with nothing to show for it to $200,000 net worth and not a big tax problem to go with it. It was supernatural. But the first time they came in my office, they were both drinking Starbucks coffees, okay? Now, if you drink Starbucks, that's okay. You know, I'm not gonna tell you about that, but, but right, that's okay with me if you can afford it. But they came into my office to you know, receive counseling financially. They each had, him and her both had a $5 Starbucks coffee in their hands, and they started complaining about their parents. So I looked at them and I said, did your parents buy that Starbucks coffee? They said, no, we did. I said, that's not your parents' problem, that's your problem. Amen? Because a lot of people's financial problem is not only, right, what's, what's coming in, 
It's what's going out. And if your outgo exceeds your income, your upkeep be your downfall. He that walks with wise men will be wise. You need to listen to some smart people. Praise God. I remember watching Pat Robertson years ago, and he got up and had a whiteboard, and he talked about how somebody who made $20,000 a year and disciplined themselves to live on $19,000, this was years ago, how, how quickly they got ahead, and how somebody who made $20,000 a year and, and spent $21,000 a year, how quickly they went broke. You know, when you have 24% interest working against you, that doubles every three years. Y'all know the rule of 72? It works on the income side, and it works on the other side. So if you're making 12% interest, praise God, you can double that in six years, praise God. But if you're paying 24% interest, like some credit cards when you get behind, <laughs> that'll double every three years. Amen? If you're making 10%, doubles in 7.2 years. Making 8%, doubles in nine years. Making 9% doubles in 8 years. Making 6% doubles in 12 years. And you have to have investments that keep up with inflation. Some of these uh, prophetic people have the church in so much fear that they're afraid to go out and invest their money in anything. You know, they wrote the day the dollar dies about 50 years ago. It still hasn't come to pass. We start, still got people today that are so afraid they can't do anything. And inflation's just running away. And I've watched the church forever put money in stuff that won't even keep up with inflation. You know, you got to use your brain a little bit. God gave it to you. Praise God. But God will bless you and God will help you. But he that walks with wise men, how, you need some wise people. You need wise people in business. You need wise people spiritually. Praise God. Here's, here's another scripture when we think about it. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33 says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupts good manners. You start hanging around negative, bitter, angry people that are doing the wrong things, and guess what? Evil communications, don't be deceived. Evil communications corrupts good manners. Then he says this. He says in verse 34, awake to righteousness and do not sin. You need friends that help you wake up to righteousness. You need friends that help you wake up to who you are in Christ and what you have in Christ. Proverbs 27, verse 17 says this. He says, you know, iron sharpens iron, so sharpens the countenance of a man his friend. Now, you need to know this, because I've had people run up to me and want to rebuke me that have no relationship with me whatsoever. And listen, I'm willing to listen to almost anybody, because everybody has a reason they're saying what they're saying, but not everybody's really saying stuff that makes sense as far as spiritually and what the Bible says, right? Like, we've watched people on... We watch conservative television, but conservative news, and we've, we've watched, watched people that are just angry at other races for being a different color. That, that's crazy. Who would want to be angry at somebody for being a different color? That's like dumb, double dumb, right? But there's, there's a lot of crazy stuff that's going around. It makes no sense. But you know what? We need to hang around people that sharpen us and that help us get stronger. You know, if you want to, if you want to play better ball, you play with better ball players. Aaron talks about how he went to Carnegie Mellon University, studied with the number one flute teacher in the world. She used to be the principal of the New York Philharmonic. She taught at Juilliard. And he said, I was, you know, it was who's who in the world, these students that she had from around the world. And I, he said, it really scared me. Because <laughs> he said, I never played with people that were that great. You know, but it makes you better. Praise God, it helps you by hanging around people who know more than you do. 
Praise God, but there's power in relationships. They'll help you or they'll hinder you. He that walks with wise men will be wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. Turn with me to Romans chapter 16. I want to read a number of verses here to you from Romans chapter 16. Paul says this. I'm going to read very quickly the first 16 verses. I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is servant of the church, which is at Centria. Receive her in the Lord as, as becomes a saint's a sister in whatever business she has need of you, for she has been a helper of many and myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my friends in Christ Jesus, who for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom I not only give thanks, but also to the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my beloved, well-beloved, Eponidas, who is the first fruit of Achaia unto Christ. Greet Mary, who bestowed much labor on us. Salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen, my family members, my fellow prisoners, who have note among the apostles who were in Christ before me. Greet Amplius, my beloved, in the Lord. Salute Urbane, our helper in Christ, and Stachys, my beloved. Salute Apelles, approved in Christ. Salute those who have Aristobulus' household. Salute Herodian, my family member. Greet them who are of the household of Narciss Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Salute Trophina and Trophosa, who labor in the Lord. Salute the beloved Persis, who labored much in the Lord. Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord, his mother and mine. Salute Asyncritus, Phleglon, Hermas, Petrobus, Hermas, the brethren which are with them. Salute Philagus, Julia, Nerus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints which are with them. Salute one another with a holy kiss, and the churches of Christ salute you. Now in those 16 verses, Paul talks about 30 different people or groups of people, and he thanks God for relationships. You know, in the first 11 chapters of Romans, Paul talks about God's plan of righteousness for Jews and Gentiles. In the last five chapters, he talks about how to live out the righteousness of God. And right here in chapter 16, he said, listen guys, there's a lot of pe people help me or I couldn't do what I've done. Listen, Pastor Lawson couldn't get done what we get done at Karis Christian Center without a lot of help. We have about 20 people or a few over that that we pay every month. And we have about 300 volunteers currently that help us get done all the things that we get done. Thank God for that. Amen? I praise God for that. But I want you to notice, he talks about all these people. He talks about positive relationships with all these people. He talks about how good they are. But then he goes and says something else in verse 17 to verse 20. And I want you to read this. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark those who cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. There are people who cause division. There are people who cause offense. There are people who go contrary to the doctrine of the Word of God. He says, mark them who cause division, who cause offense, and avoid them. Some people are offended with no reason to be offended. He says, for they are such who do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. It's all about them. He says, and by good words and fair speeches, they deceive the hearts of the simple. There are some people 
By, Jesus said this. He said, by their fruit, you will know them. And so he says, if they're causing division, if they're causing offense, contrary to the doctrine that you've learned, avoid them, for they are not serving Jesus but their own belly. He says, for your obedience is come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, but yet I would have you to be wise concerning that which is good. Listen, we need to know more about what's good. You know, I never taught my children about how playing a rock and roll a record backwards would teach you how to smoke a marijuana joint. I never taught my children about all the evils out in the world. You know what I told my, taught my children? I taught my children the basic principles of the Word of God, that in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. I taught them the basis of who God is, who Christ is, who the Holy Spirit is, who, who they are. Praise God and what God's given them. Because if you know who God is, who Christ is, who the Holy Spirit is, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, who you are and what God's invested in you, there's very little chance that you're going to go serve the devil. You know, truth is stronger than a lie. Love is stronger than hatred. Light is stronger than darkness. So many people are just talking about all the evil. We're so focused on the evil, we don't even know the good we have around us. Let's look at the good. Paul says, listen, if you want to rejoice, if you want to be happy, he tells us this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and then he tells us how to do it as we go down through verse 8. In verse 8, he says, look at whatever's good, whatever's lovely, whatever's just, whatever's honest, if there's any praise, if there's any virtue, if there's any goodness, think on these things. You've got to learn how to be a positive person. You have to learn how to focus on the positive and not to focus on the negative sometimes. And I realize in the world we live in sometimes that's hard. But he said, listen, Paul was writing that from a jail. And if he could be positive in the jail and tell us how to rejoice in the Lord always. If Paul and Silas could get in prison and be put in the stocks for preaching the gospel and sing praises to God, at midnight, amen, you can learn how to rejoice in a bad situation. You know what happened? They started praising God. God started tapping his foot, and the earthquake happened, amen, and the doors of the prison opened, and they walked out free, got the jailer in his house saved, said, listen, you know, you made this mess, and you'll clean it up, praise God. You know, in fact, the jailer said that. Those guys made this mess. They'll clean it up. His whole life was in danger for for having them in there. But keep praising God. Keep rejoicing. Amen. Don't be a negative, bitter, angry person. Pastor Lawson. I talked to somebody the other day about politics. Well, they said, po politics is kind of like this. You'll think people are in your friends. You'll think they're on your side. Then they'll stab you in the back. They'll use you and take everything they can from you. He said, it's kind of just like the ministry. I had a good friend of mine preach a message one time. He said, man, in the world, they'll, they'll run over you and stab you in the back. In the church, they'll run over you and stab you in the back, and they'll say, God told them to do it. <laughs> so listen, we need to learn all about walking in love. But listen to what Paul says. He says, listen, some people aren't here for the right reason. They're not doing the right thing. And he says, I want you to be wise concerning the good. Focus on the good. And simple concerning evil, don't be focused on all the evil, on all the negative, all the death. He said, and the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. If you want Satan to be bruised under your foot, stay away from bitter, negative people that are causing strife and offense. Stay, he, he, stay away from just focusing on the negative all the time. 
And he says, it'll cause you to walk in victory and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. I want to show you another scripture because, you know, Paul in a public letter never names anybody and calls them out. You'll notice when I preach, I may use examples of certain things, but I, as a whole, do not name names and call people out. But I'll give you biblical things, right, to try to help you to overcome some lies that are out there in the world. I don't like to name groups of people. In fact, when I preached in Kit Carson this week, I made a statement. I said, it's not the name that's over the door of the church, it's the name that's over the door of your heart. And while I pastored in Kit Carson for 13 years, there was a spirit-filled Catholic priest. I know the man was born again. I know he was spirit-filled. I know he loved Jesus. While I was there, the Lutheran, the Lutherans had a born-again Lutheran pastor. He came to visit me at my church. He said, would you come to my church and teach what you believe? I said, absolutely. He said, I don't think I'll need you, but I'm so tired of my church just talking about you all the time. We were the first Pentecostals in the community. He said, my aunt and uncle were Pentecostals. I know they knew Jesus. But he says, I'm, I'm and he, he took a copy of our fundamental truths. He said, I'm going to take this, and I'm going to take it to my church and say, listen, they're not a cult. This is what they believe. <laughs> and, and he said, and I'm going to tell them that if they don't quit talking about you, I'm going to have you come to our church and teach in our church what you believe, which was the last thing that they wanted. So I... I Never heard about it again. But I know the man knew Jesus. He had been molested when he was just a young child by a babysitter. He thought he was a homosexual. But when he was going to college and studying the Word of God, he said, I, I, I found out in the Word of God that the, the people aren't homosexuals, that God doesn't make people homosexuals. And I had to make a decision. Did I believe the Bible is the Word of God or did I believe this lie that society was trying to put on me? And he said, I made a decision to believe the Bible, to believe the Word of God. We believe that the Scriptures are inspired, that the Bible is the truth, that the Word of God is the Word of God. I remember years ago when there, there was a large Presbyterian church in, in California, very, very large Presbyterian church, and the pastor had pulled all of his funding from their denominations because they decided that they would ordain homosexuals. And so the news media came and they asked him, they said, what, do, are you against homosexuals and lesbians being in the ministry? He said, I'm against practicing unrepentant sinners being in the ministry. I thought that was a very good answer. You know, we need to get back to what the Bible says and preaching what the Bible says. Praise God. But this man, his name was Matthew, knew God, and I know that he knew God. Praise God. For a very short period of time, there was a Methodist pastor in town. His, his name was Pastor John. And he was there for about three years while I was there. And every time the man got up, he shared the Bible. He shared the Word of God. I knew the man knew Jesus. I also had another person from that church that said we were called. The Lord told me, go, go over there. He woke me up at 4 a.m. in the morning, said, go over to their house. They lived in the next community and visit them. So at 8 o'clock, I went on there. I, I was at the the pastor's door, and I knocked on the door, and I said, listen, here's a copy of our fundamental truths. Here's what we believe. I said, Martin Luther said, or Martin, there was a person, not Martin Luther, but he wrote The Kingdom of the Cults. It's like a classic book on cults. He said, there's two ways that you can tell a cult. Either they deny the deity of Jesus, 
which we believe in the deity of Jesus, or they have a works system of salvation. I said, so we believe in the deity of Jesus and we believe in salvation by grace, plus all these other things. Right? Did you know what? I never heard anything negative come from him again after that. <laughs> Praise God. Sometimes you just need to talk to your accusers. Praise God. Hallelujah. Do you know, my grandmother was a Methodist. She got born again in the Methodist church. She went forward and received Jesus at eight, eight years old or something. Her brother was in that church all of his life and couldn't see his need for Christ. And I went and witnessed to him and, and, and his, his son, he was my great uncle, his son got saved in my church. I was preaching. He was married to the pastor's daughter. We were having evangelistic service. The evangelist had me get up and preach that night. They, they both got saved. Amen. And guess what? His dad got saved too. Praise God. My great uncle got saved when he was up in his 60s. Praise God. My pastor had witnessed to him for years. Praise God. It's not good works that saves us. You know about half the people who claim to be Christians believe that works save you and not grace? It's not our performance. It's his grace that saves us. Now, you don't want to use grace as a license to sin on the other hand. Amen? But you know what? We need relationships. Now, I wanted to go to the scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Because Paul, only in private letters does he does, do this. But in private letters, so publicly, he said, listen, you watch these people. This is the kind of signs they have. This is what they're saying. This is what they're doing. Avoid them. But privately, he calls them out. And privately, Tim, Timothy was his son in the faith. And so privately, he says this in, in 2 Timothy 4, verse 14 and 15. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. <laughs> I've said that about some people before. <laughs> Not quite that. I've had some people steal some church property when they left. I said, I pray the Lord gives them a hundredfold. Now, that's not grace, but I don't like thieving, okay? And I don't want to be a thief, okay? He says, of whom beware also, for he has greatly withstood our words. Paul said, I talked to him, but the man wouldn't respond. He wouldn't listen to what we had to say. I remember Dr. Sumrod have different people, and he had people from a variety of backgrounds. You know, and, and one of his leaders, and this is a great mark, and I see this in Andrew Womack. I saw it in Lester Sumrod. But he had one of his leaders told me, you know, Lester, he'll love a pastor that's on this side of an issue, and he'll love another pastor that's on that side of the issue. I, I mean, he, he'll treat them amazing. He, he said, if you got those two pastors together, they'd choke each other. And he said, I realized that Lester Sumrall built relationships with people based on their strengths. That's a great way to build relationships. Amen? I try to focus on strengths. I try not to focus on weaknesses. I grew up in the country. I love everybody until they prove me wrong. Barbara grew up in the city. She grew up, I mean, <laughs> in the bad part of the city, right? She grew up in Commerce City, Denver. They, her dad was the principal. They drove by, had drive-by shootings at her house. She said, you never know but what was going to fly through the windows, okay? So she grew up in a bad neighborhood. Barbara, Barbara said, listen, I'll believe them when they prove me. <laughs> you know, I'll believe they're good when they prove it. You know, I, I give it, we're good balance for each other, you know? I give everybody the benefit of the doubt till they prove me wrong. Barbara said, you got, you got to prove it to me, all right? I don't trust anybody till they show me, okay? <laughs> so, you know, you got to have a little balance. You need to have discernment, but you also need to have grace. 
and they go together. But Paul, you know, he actually, in private letters, he talks about a few things and said, listen, you got to watch out for those folks. They might be good over here. They're over here. They're really off base. But Lester Summerall, he'd have these different people preach, and sometimes he'd get up. He, he wouldn't necessarily say anything right when they did it, but then he'd get up on Sunday after they were gone. He said, now, listen, we sent that so-and-so a book, and we underlined a few things in there. And what he was saying is I didn't really agree with what they were saying. Right? I like some things, and that's why I brought them in here to speak. I like some of the fruit that they had, but yet on others, other things, he said, you know what? They're not quite right, so we're trying to keep them going in the right direction. But he also said this. I love this. He preached on Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, that we're accepted in the beloved. And he made a statement about Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, and he said this. When somebody draws a circle and puts you on the outside, you draw a bigger circle and put them on the inside. Amen. So your friends will help you or hinder you. Now, there are different aspects of relationships. And really, it's talking about basic Christianity. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it talks about the early church. And it says they continued in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and prayer. Right? That's talking about four different aspects of basic Christianity. You know what? We need the Word. We need the Apostles' Doctrine. Where do you find out who God is, who Christ is, who the Holy Spirit is? Where do you find out the truth about creation? Where do you find out the truth about the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Where do you find the truth about grace and faith? In the Word. The Word of God. It's amazing. A lot of people don't go with what the Word says. They just go with what they feel. Do you know what? We, we go by what the Bible says. Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Amen. The word. They, they continued in fellowship. They continued in church. You know, Barbara talked about this earlier today. But both of Barbara and I were raised in the traditional church. The churches we were raised in did not believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The churches we were, we were raised in did not believe in speaking in tongues. They did not believe in divine healing. They did not believe in prosperity. They, they did not believe in a lot of things that we believe in. But you know what? We got saved there. So it wasn't all bad. You don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Amen? Praise God. Word, church, relationships. You need relationships. That were the breaking of bread. You need to hang around the right people to help you get where God wants you to go. And prayer. They continued in that. Now, there's areas, right, that we, that we need relationships. First of all, we need a relationship with God. How is a relationship with God worked out in real life? Again, the Word, church, your relationships with other people. Right? Who can tell you no? Do you have anybody in your life that can tell you no? You need somebody that can tell you no. You need somebody that can set you straight. All right? All right, so we need the Word, we need church, we need relationships, we also need prayer. We need all those things. That's how our relationship with God is worked out, right? But also, we need a relationship with our spouse. We need a relationship with our children. We need the right relationship with our work. Now, James chapter 4, verse 6 and verse 7 says this. If you want to turn to James chapter 4, look at these two verses, and I'm going to go really, really quickly. This has taken me a lot longer than, to share than I thought it would. But James chapter 4 says this in verse 6 and 7. It says, but he gives more grace. Wherefore, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit their, yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 
There's an order of relationships. God first, then spouse, then children, right? Then work. Now, Ephesians 5 verse 21 says this. It says, submitting yourselves to one another in the fear of God or in respect of your relationship with God, you respect one another, right? You have respect. You have a godly respect for each other. And you submit yourself to each other. Praise God. Guess what? Barbara not only submits to me, I submit to her. We submit to each other. Praise God. You may think that's off base. Listen, I had to learn how to respect my wife. And, and it cost me a lot of money before I learned. But I learned she hears from a God, God in a different way than I do. And I value her. Amen? I value my mentors. I value other people. I told Andrew Womack one time, you can come to me and talk to me anytime you want to, and you can tell me whatever you want to, and I want you to know the door is always open, and I'll listen to what you have to, to say. He said, I already know that. I said, how do you know that? I've never told you that. He said, it's the attitude in which you conduct yourself. Years ago, I was called to, pat to a counseling session by a Baptist pastor for somebody. His wife had left him, and she had been filled with the Holy Ghost. And they, they were having terrible marriage problems. And they were in their 50s. I was about 24, 5. So I got called. And, and the, bastard, the Baptist pastor was actually gone somewhere. So it was his wife and me and this Baptist man and his wife who had been spirit-filled. And, and their relationship was really bad, right? And so this man came in and he was saying, she has to submit to me. She has to listen to me. She has to obey me. And I said, listen. You're not submitted to God or anybody. And until you submit yourself to God, she doesn't need to submit to you. Well, you talk about mad. This guy blew up and he stormed out of the room. Praise God. And so it was me and this Baptist pastor's wife and this, this other woman that had been spirit-filled that left her crazy husband. I mean, he was crazy. You think you did? This guy was crazy. He was nuts. Amen? In about 10 minutes, he, walked, he came back into the room, this little 24-year-old whippersnapper, Pentecostal preacher. And he said, listen, I want to make my marriage work. Hallelujah. And I gave him some counsel. And the Baptist pastor's wife gave him some counsel. And guess what? They got back together and they stayed married till the day they died. Amen. Praise God. We need one another. We, we need to be able to listen to people. We need to have people that we value, right? Who, could, who, who you know, have different things that they can impart into us. So right after it says, submit yourselves to one another in Ephesians 5.21, it talks about your relationship with your spouse, then your, and it says, basically, husbands love your wives physically, love your wives emotionally, love your wives spiritually. And I should have said spiritually, emotionally, and physically. And it says, wives, respect your husband. Amen. Now, the only place a wife can really get loved enough is through a relationship with Jesus, and the only way a man can really get his self-worth is through understanding who he is in Christ. But it tells us about relationships with, with spouse and the family, tells us about relationship with children, talks about it in Colossians also, and then it tells us about relationships with work in Ephesians chapter 6 and also in Colossians chapter uh, 3 and chapter 4 and then 1 Timothy chapter 6, the first five or six verses talk about your relationship with your work. So we need to have the right order of relationships, amen? The last thing I want to share really, really quickly is this. There is a danger of separation. We need one another. You know, the Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1. He that separates himself seeks his own desire, and he comes into contention with all wisdom. 
New King James says something like this, he who isolates himself seeks his own desire. Sometimes people isolate themselves because they want their own way. It says they rage against all wise judgment. You don't want to be isolated. You need other people to get where God wants you to go. Ecclesiastics chapter 4 verse 10 says, Woe to him who is alone when he falls, right? Because he has no one to help him up. In that portion of the scripture, which I was going to read, but I'm not going to because of time, verse 9 through 12, he talks about the power of positive relationships. He talks about productivity, strength, energy, and protection. We need relationships. Now, how can we find relationships? Well, number one, come. Praise God, I still believe in Hebrews 10, verse 25. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Right? We need each other in the body. Number two, serve. You can get to know people by just serving, just like I did at Dr. Sumrall's. I wasn't a part of a small group, but I came and I served. Praise God, and I served, and I served, and I served, and I got to know at least 100 people in one year's time. And I knew them for years and years after that. I still know some of them today. Praise God. Come, serve, and then be a friend. A man to have friends must be friendly. And there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. My conclusion is this. Through relationships, we help others. If you'll see how much you can give, how much you can help others, well, I'm not going to come because it doesn't benefit me. You know, we've been teaching that mentality to our youth for years, and we're losing about half of them when they leave the church. I told Javier something the other day about the youth. I said, I'd like to see all the youth serve in one area in the church other than youth because it's not just about them. And Chris Hodges has proved this out. He's tried to get his youth serving in other areas in the church, serving greeting, serving ushering, serving with the children, serving in other areas. And when he's done this, guess what? They're having more than a 90% retention of the youth that leave their church. He was a great youth pastor. He's a great pastor because he's learned, you know, to teach them something. And they're teaching them this by example and by experience that it's really not about you. Then when they get out of church, when they go to college, when they go to another church, guess what? My sons all went to liberal, worldly universities and they didn't go to hell. They're still going to heaven. But when they went to a church, they weren't looking for what that church could do for them. Amen. They were looking for what they could do for that church. Praise God. Be a friend and you'll help somebody else. But in being a friend, guess what? God will help you. Amen? Amen. My friend, I just, I just preached his funeral. And I told this man a thousand times if I told him once, thank you. Thank you. I want to thank every one of you that are part of this church. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for helping us share the gospel. I told him a thousand times. But you know what? The last few years, every time I told him thank you, you know what he told me? He said, Lawson, pass it on. Help somebody else. I've helped lots of people. Some of them responded well. Some of them haven't responded well. But I'm going to keep helping people. Hey, I love you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, 
go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.